Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Heart of Dating. I hope you're staying cool because we are in the thick of summer and it is hot outside. I mean, I guess it could be a good excuse to stay in the air conditioning and listen to some podcast episodes, right? Oh my gosh. Well, in all seriousness, we are so thankful for you listening. And I just love to ask that if you like what we're doing, would you consider writing us a review here on iTunes and subscribing? It helps us to be able to do what we love best, which is bring you fresh, new, incredible content. And also don't forget, we have a Patreon page where you can support us monetarily for as little as $1 a month. You can find it at patreon.com slash heart of dating. So today I'm thrilled because our guest is a new friend of mine and a man who I immensely admire. I am talking to Mike Foster. And if you guys haven't heard of him before, you're going to just love this interview. Mike is a best-selling author, speaker, and advocate for not-so-perfect people. He's also a fellow podcaster and hosts the widely popular and deeply thought-provoking podcast, Fun Therapy, which honestly is one of my favorites because the thing is, Mike just has a way of connecting with people and showing them that they deeply and truly matter. Mike and his wife, Jen, have been married for 23 years, and they have an incredible marriage, two kids, and a little fluffy Pomeranian, and they live down in San Diego. Just this year, they published Five Dates, a his and her workbook to help couples connect. After I heard about it, I immediately bought it, you guys, and I went through, and I just loved how practical and useful it was. So we're going to talk all about it today as we dive into how to increase connection and intimacy in relationships. We have to admit, we communicate and function differently as men and women, and because of that, it can take a little bit of time and most of all, effort. Some of the overarching themes that we talk about today are different talk styles, how to look out for bids for connection, and being aware of what Mike calls relational nowness. This conversation is so practical and helpful, so I really hope you guys enjoy hearing what Mike has to say. Mike Foster, oh my goodness, I'm so thrilled to have you on the Heart of Dating podcast today. Thanks for having me. This is going to be so much fun. Oh, I love it. And, you know, I first discovered you on Cheryl Scruggs' podcast, actually, Thriving Beyond Belief. I think you were the first male that she interviewed on her woman-only podcast, which was incredible. <laughs> I know. I felt so honored uh, to be one of the few men that have actually uh, been on the podcast. And she's, she's special, and I, I love that conversation that we got to have. Yeah, it was so good and so awesome because us women need to hear from a male's perspective so frequently. And I'm actually shocked I didn't connect with you sooner, but I'm so glad I did because it also led me to discovering your incredible podcast, Fun Therapy. And I can't say enough good things about it, Mike, honestly. And I actually really loved, I was looking up at your description and it says that it's a place for a beautiful imperfectness on display as you discover tactics to really turn setbacks into superpowers. And mm-hmm. I just love that. I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, kind of a different approach in terms of our conversations that we're having on the podcast where I just want to talk to people about really the, the more honest things. And so the, 
the opening question with the podcast is always, what don't you want to talk about today versus, you know, the success stories and everything that's going right, which we often, uh, those are easy, easier conversations to have. I am really looking to, uh, have a little bit more of the challenging and and hopefully freedom inducing, uh, conversations when we can talk about real life. Yeah. Bringing like the beauty to the brokenness. You do that so wonderfully in every one of your episodes. Um, and you've been married 22 years you to Jennifer, right? And you guys yes. have two children. You live in San Diego. We do. Yeah. Jen and I are getting ready to celebrate our actually 23rd anniversary coming up here in a oh couple of weeks. Gosh, and uh, yeah, we, we dated five years, which was a very long time to date. We did some, wow, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. We did uh, some long distance dating. We did some oh, wow. uh, no distance dating, like living in the same town and then living across the country. And so uh, we've, we've been together a very long time and we've learned a lot about each other and certainly relationships and, um, yeah, through both mistakes and, and wins. Yeah, totally. Just jumping off on that point. So you guys, you and Jen, you recently launched a book called five dates, which I love. So when I heard the title of dates, I was like, Oh my gosh, yes. Give me all of the dating. Books. <laughs> because You know, even though I'm a single person right now, I still bought the book, the workbooks, because you know, girl can be helpful and we got to be prepared. Right. And so in all honesty, I really, I read through the entire book, even though I'm not currently in a relationship, I was like, I just want to see the goodness here. And I still learned so much even without being in a relationship. And I love that you have a male and female version. So you have kind of the two versions there. Um, so can you explain for us and for the listeners, why you and your wife decided to put five dates together and what, um, was your heart intention behind it? Well, it's always, uh, I had a friend say that uh, one time that relationships are, are just a walk in the park. Uh, the problem is it's Jurassic park. And <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so the reality is like relationships are really hard and difficult mm-hmm. and, uh, confusing and weird and funky. And so, mm-hmm. uh, Jen and I just wanted to help create a resource to help bring some, some positivity, some good truth, uh, not over complexify the issues and really say like, if you start here, some of the most basic principles of good dating, good marriage practices, and honestly, good friendship practices. Uh, you know, we, we really believe that that's the best place to start and not too many of us. Like we, we skip steps one through five or trying to do sort of like we're trying to do algebra before we're doing addition and subtraction in our relationships. Mm, that's good. Yeah. And so we really just want to say, Hey, uh, let's start with the, the addition and subtraction in steps <laughs> one through five. And it really begins with, uh, kind of five topics. We talk about how to be present with each other and what that looks like. I really listen and hear and see each other. Uh, we talk about talk styles, the difference between men and women talk styles, which often, you know, really trips up a lot of couples. And then, um, <laughs> Definitely does. you know, gratitude. We talk about some of uh, date four. We talk about uh, what we call story safari and really where you learn a little bit about your, your partner's history and the, the impact yeah. of our family of origin stuff in terms of 
how we see relationships and how we do relationships is often informed by the families that we grew up in. And then yeah. step five is really about developing a dream and supporting each other's dreams and, and making sure that those are clearly spoken because oftentimes, um, in relationships, it's one person's dream becomes more dominant than maybe somebody else's dream. And so we encourage couples to make sure that there's equality there and that you as a couple have a dream that you're working on together. Mm, that's so good. And this is so needed, Mike. And why I love this, and I, I'm so excited to talk to you about dating today, is because we really need to, as a culture, um, figure out how to date more successfully and more intentionally. And, you know, I've been doing so much research and watching documentaries and reading different articles and books. And today we have developed such a culture that's really based on a hookup environment in many ways, which is really unfortunate. And people meet, they want to get physical before they really ever get to know one another truly. And that's totally backwards, right? But you, and that's really the worldly culture that we've built, unfortunately, right now. But you kind of also can see this sometimes in the church too. And But then there's, for those of us who want to date intentionally, sometimes we just come to a loss of how to understand one another or how to build deeper connection with one another. And I find that even in the midst of our dating relationships, we can start it like in the beginning, maybe we're going along at a good pace, but suddenly down the road, then we find ourselves in kind of a mundane routine and losing a sense of intimacy or a sense of really true connection. So I think this is why I I just love your book so much. Um, And, you know, it's simple and it talks about incredible concepts that while some of them are simple, there are really things we need to dive into and think about and marinate on. So In your opinion, Mike, what do you think are some of the top mistakes we are making right now that are affecting the quality of our dating lives in 2018? Yeah, I I think one of the first mistakes is really uh, probably starts with the uh, communication bucket and really about expectations that we're not communicating expectations clearly to each other or to our, our person we're dating or the person that we're married to that there's... Uh, a lot of mind reading happening in relationships where there's sort of, well, I don't know why you didn't know that or why. And so it's scary to, to have our needs be known and to speak our needs and to talk about those needs. And, and this is true, whether it's friendship, dating, married, it's hard. We just make a lot of assumptions about what the other person knows about us or what, what we're feeling or what we're thinking in, in that moment. And so I think that's a, that just trips a lot of couples up to say, Hey, um, really the pathway forward is to say, let me, let me make sure I'm clear. Let me make sure, uh, even in the most simple things, right. Again, why we're doing the five dates, uh, process in the workbooks is really to say like, let's just make sure the most basic things are clear in terms of as we build this relationship and create this relationship, because I think a lot of couples make assumptions, have these expectations, have these desires and these needs that are never expressed to the other person. Right. And that creates a lot of tension and a lot of pain. Yeah. You see, sometimes I feel it's funny 
Cause I think women, I mean, speaking for myself and some of my friends, we do this a lot where we're like, Oh, well, I just, he should just know to do that. Or, you know, and he should know to give me a hug in this moment, or he should know that I want flowers or, you know, whatever the need may be or, but we, the point is we think differently. We have different needs. So if you're not communicating it, you know, how is the other person really going to know, especially, you know, they can't, they're not inside your head. And I think we kind of make that it's a, it's a setback that can cause us actually build up a lot of resentment over time. Yeah, totally. And I think the other thing that happens is that we, we minimize our needs. We actually need something, but we say, Oh, well, it's not that important. Mm. Uh, we, we sort of dismiss it when actually it really is important. And instead of bearing it or just doing without, it's better to communicate it and say, this is what I need. Even if it's a small thing, like, Hey, I need flowers yeah. once a week. That, that That's a, let's call it a $10, $15 investment that you know your partner yeah. can make. Um, and you may, you could easily say like, well, it's not that big a deal, but if it means something to you, it's your responsibility mm, to express that. So true. And also, okay. So I want to talk about that we're in the age of, of technology right now. And that can really hinder how well we communicate with others. And we are in this place of connecting all the time through social media, through all these things, but then simultaneously there's a lack of true actual connection happening. So how do you think that in many ways technology has impacted our relationships and dating relationships? And how can we be more conscious of this? Uh, well, I think technology's had a significant impact, both for the positive and for the negative. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the negative. One of the things that, uh, you know, a recent study on uh, loneliness, they found that uh, in 1980, most, there was about 20% of people would say that they feel lonely, where now that number is about 40%. It's almost doubled uh, since 1980. And so, we're more connected than ever, but we're more lonely than ever. Yeah. And I think that goes back to one of the things we talk about in five dates is this communication, this talk styles. And we talk about this concept of relational nowness of being yeah. in the moment, being present with your partner. And it's consists of sort of three things. Like uh, step one is just, I see you. Mm-hmm. Step two is I hear you. And step three of relational nowness is what you're telling me is important. Whether I agree or disagree doesn't matter, but it's important to you. So I'm going to listen and fully occupy this moment. Listen with my heart. Listen empathetically. Um, we share we share a story about a guy who, for over a year, was having these vocal spasms, and so he wasn't able to talk. Mm-hmm. He'd be in these in these parties, and he'd be in these social settings around people, and he said that that loneliness is not about not being around people. Loneliness is about not being heard. Mm. And so part of a successful relationship, Mm. and this is challenging because we, we are technology has taught us to put out content, proclaim something, to post something, to say something. And we've forgotten how to listen and to hear um, things that are important to people. And we're just rushing, you know, it's like technology I think has brought us speed and a pace to life that feels like for me to slow down, just to be fully present in this moment is actually a really difficult thing. And so we just have to be aware of that and that influence, uh, in our relationships and in our own lives. I mean, just as people, we have to say like, okay, 
I need some technology breaks. I need some new rhythms and practices that are going to actually help me have stronger relationships. Yeah. You even talk, I remember in the book, in the workbooks about this word fubbing, which I'd never heard before. <laughs> what it, can you tell us what that is? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, uh, you know, again, one of our, our, our things that we want to have happen with the workbooks is to give couples language. Yeah. So fubbing is sort of a made up word mm-hmm. and it's the combination of the word phone plus snubbing, <laughs> like to snub somebody. Yeah. Uh, eagle swimming. So like if you're having this conversation, uh, you know, with your spouse or you're dating or just even a friend and you're talking and they look down cause they have an Instagram notification or a text that comes in and they quickly respond. You've just been fubbed, yeah. you know, it, that's, yeah. and we you do that a lot. You have been fubbed and we do that a lot. And we don't, again, uh, I'm a, I'm pro technology. I love technology. I think it's been incredibly helpful in terms of a lot of things in our world, but that practice of fubbing somebody creates disconnection. Mm-hmm. It creates, it takes you out of the moment, that sacred moment that you can have with that human being, that individual that's right in front of you. And so we just have to be aware of that. Studies show that we look at our phones or touch, we look at our phones 150 times a day at minimum. Wow. That's crazy. So that's, you have 150 times a day where you are potentially fubbing somebody. Yeah. And it's hard to, I mean, I, you know, I talk about the Enneagram a lot. I don't know if you're into the Enneagram, but okay, there you go. And I am a three on the Enneagram, which is the achiever and achievers are all into, you know, doing and, and really just doing right. And so for me, I'm all about efficiency and task oriented and let's do the everything. And, And a lot of times, sometimes multitasking. So for someone like me, I fall to that a lot, to be honest. And it's difficult. You know, I'm, as someone's talking, if I'm already, if I, my mind is somewhere else, it's hard for me to focus on that person and let, and I start getting distracted and I have to make the conscious effort of, okay, this person is important to me right now. I don't, I want them to feel heard, seen and loved. So I need to take a break and those, I can still do those things later. You know, those things will still be waiting for me. Um, whether it be work things or yeah, Instagram text, whatever it is. And it's, it's difficult. It's, it's really comes with awareness. I actually spoke on, I think, yeah, on my Instagram the other week that there's an, you can actually on your iPhone see via the battery. If you go to the battery settings, you can see how many hours you are spending per day and per week on all different apps. And it will actually show you the specific hours, which is really eye opening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's shocking how, how integrated a phone or a device can be in our lives. And, and the thing, and again, uh, it, it's not that Instagram or Facebook or texting, there's anything inherently wrong with it, but where couples get into trouble is that if they're not fully present with the person that they love the most, they're going to miss out on some of the smaller things that they're, that they're, that person's trying to communicate to them. And we talk about this again in the book about bids where you make bids for attention and, and you, you can only miss so many bids from your partner to where all, all of a sudden your partner is going to stop, um, inviting you into these things. And there's going to be a disconnect. In fact, you know, that I think there's a magic number where like eight or nine, if you're, if you miss eight or nine bids, you're kind of, you're kind of done at that point. So where your part, and those aren't going to be obvious statements. They're not going to be like, 
I need you to do this because I, it's going to be much more nuanced and subtle in our communications. And so if we aren't paying attention, yeah. we're going to miss that. And if we miss it, that's going to lead to um, a lot of problems in the relationship. Yeah. And, and bids could be anywhere such as like just something that interests you and you want to share it with them or show them even something, maybe something you're working on or something on the phone or, you know, share some, a moment that brought you, that you're excited about with them. Yes. And if they're just, you know, lackluster in their interest or they're hardly paying attention, it makes you feel crushed. I feel this way a lot uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like excited about something. I want to share it with someone else. And then I can tell they have absolutely zero interest. Yeah, and it is. It's it's heartbreaking. It hurts when we yeah. we want to share it with somebody that we care about or love, and they're missing it. They're missing that it's important to us. Like yeah. I, we had, I worked in the yard uh, this past weekend and was just doing some plants or whatever. And I asked Jennifer to come out and look at what I did. Now she's she's dialed in, and I actually you know made made sure that I was clear. Like I love I love for you to come look at what I plant. And she doesn't really care about the garden. She doesn't care about, you know, the, the <laughs> type of plants I put in there, but in our relationship, she realizes that I was making a bid for her attention mm-hmm. and to come out here and look at what I did. And then, uh, to, to, to praise me, to say, admire, like, Hey, you did a great job. Yeah. I like that. Or to be interested in it. That's, Again, these are kind of simple things, simple, Mm. basic principles of building a strong relationship, but they're powerful things that we often miss. Yeah, because it's important to you and you want things to be things that are important to you to be in a way important to the other person that you care about. You want to be able to share in them. That's right. So can I just ask you, do you like to wind down with some wine every once in a while? What about some wine delivery? I mean, I'm raising my hand over here. I would not complain about some wine delivery. So there is this incredible company called Wink that actually customizes your wine preferences and handpicks four bottles of wine just for you and delivers them to your front door every month. It's pretty much a wine club, but it also happens to be one of the easiest to use and also the number one rated with no cancellation fees. They also exclusively sell summer water, which is my favorite rosé. So when you sign up, they have you take a palate test. Maybe you don't really know what you like in wine, so this is great because it will help you figure that out. Or maybe you do know what you really love, so this will help you discover more wines that are perfect for your developed taste. They ask you questions like, how do you like your coffee? Strong and black, of course. Or how do you feel about salt? Do you like mushrooms or truffles? From there, they recommend four bottles just for you. But don't worry, you can also customize it to whatever you like, you guys. They deliver all four bottles to your door free of charge. Each month, you get four different bottles, but you can modify or skip any scheduled order. You can also cancel any time with no issues. Their bottles start at just $13, so they're really nice. And today, you guys, you can get Wink for $25 off, which is basically like two bottles of free wine. Yes, please. To get this amazing promotion, you can go to trywink.com slash H-O-D podcast. That's trywink, W-I-N-C dot com slash H-O-D podcast. And if you're questioning this at all right now, I just want to ask you, this would be incredible for a date night, don't you think? So why not? 
Okay. So we've touched on it a little bit, but I do want to talk a little bit more about communication styles because men and women, they're obviously, we're not created equally in the way we communicate. And I like to think of it sometimes that women are like spaghetti and men are like waffles and this mm-hmm. all the time. Like we're like a bowl of spaghetti. If you get a group of women together, I actually had a guy friend recently sit down with a bunch of us women. He kind of was just randomly there for this girl's night. And he just sat back and, and watched in awe at how we converse and how we can start on one topic. And we may never even get back to that one topic. We are all over the place sometimes versus when men sit down much more like a waffle compartmentalize, you kind of, one compartment is filled up with syrup and then you go to the next and then you go to the next and all of that. So how can, so I know you guys, you talk about this too, and I think you have a lot to say on this, Mike, but how can we be, you know, more aware of these communication styles, more aware of our words, how we phrase things and how we're directing conversation in dating to be more, again, just to really hear one another better and understand one another better. Yeah. It's, you know, you're exactly right. Men and women do communicate differently. Uh, and there's sort of some basic, uh, principles and ways that we, the reasons why men and women communicate, yeah. uh, you know, the, for example, we talk in the, uh, date two about talk styles and we dive into this really specifically. And we just, it's really one kind of key principle, uh, around communication. And it's this idea of men communicate to compete and to win uh, and women communicate for connection and community. Mm-hmm. And so you bring those two different talk styles together and there's going to be a disconnect. There's going to be a problem there. So mm-hmm. men, when they when they sit with, you know, their girlfriend or their, their, um, their wife, she shares her difficult day with him, uh, maybe a problem or a struggle that she's having, or maybe, you know, just really a rough day at work or maybe the kids were out of control and a guy is going to, so she's communicating for a connection to feel close to him in that moment. She's just needing him to empathize. What does a guy naturally do? If he's, if men communicate to compete and win and to win, he's going to try to fix that. Well, get the kids in here. I'm going to talk to the kids or I'm going to talk to your boss or he's going, he gets into fix it mode. And that's, that creates a disconnection, right? And that's what men naturally do. They're wanting to fix it because if I fix it, then I'm winning. Mm-hmm. I'm being admired. I'm competing here versus all she needed in that moment was for him not to fix it, but to feel it. Mm-hmm. Now, on the reverse hand, if men are sharing their, you know, let's go back to, to the yard work story. Like I told, I told Jennifer, Hey, come out and look at this. Now she could have, she could have said, Hey, uh, or maybe I cut the lawn or had worked in, you know, done the lawn and edged around. And she comes out and she goes, uh, Mike, I think you missed the spot. (laughs) Okay. That just knocked me down. Now I'm losing. Okay. I'm not winning in that moment. I'm losing her communication. Her words may be true, by the way, she may have like, I may have missed the spot, but but if she wants to, if we want to have a, a, a moment of connection there, she needs to think about how she enters into my talk style. So what she should have said is something like, and this can sound really ridiculous. Most of it, like this is how entrenched we are in, in our own communication styles. So like, I would say, Hey women, you should say to your man after he's cut the lawn, like, Oh, Mike, you should go into the lawn business because this yard looks amazing right now. 
Okay. <laughs> now I'm winning. Now that sounds sort of like ridiculous, yeah. but if my wife were to say that to me, I'd be like on cloud nine. I'd be like, I just won here. I just won this whole yard thing. Um, I'm a master master lawnmower. And just as they would, and men that are listening right now, it may feel really awkward to say like, um, instead of going, I'm going to fix it, or I'm going to fix this situation with the kids or the struggle that you're having just to almost say, just, I'm so sorry that you had a hard day today. Or maybe just to say nothing, just to be there and to be present and with empathy, because all all she's needing is that that sense of connection and togetherness and community. That's what she wants in that moment. Um, and so, for us to enter into our partners' talk styles and to be aware of that um, is key to a healthy relationship. Yeah. It's so interesting because it's it's really like the nuanced things, right? It's like these nuanced small things that can make such a difference. And we sometimes don't value them and don't see them as priority, but they can be so impactful for creating that connection because they're really a part of the daily when you're in relationship. These are things that happen on the daily. And if you don't pay attention to them, the little daily things that you miss constantly, they'll build up and eventually it'll create such deeper problems. And so it's not just about you know, obviously we want to handle good, we want to handle big fights really well and those moments really well, but it's, it's about also being preventative from having those bigger fights and conversations by being attuned to the nuance. Yeah. And, and here's the thing you want to avoid the fight. I, I, you enter into, um, your partner's talk style mm-hmm. because if my wife would have come out and said, you missed the spot, I would have been ticked off. I would have been angry because you knocked me down there. I Mm. I felt lowered in that moment. Or if I were to start trying to fix the problem, my wife's not going to feel heard in that moment when she's had a tough day with the kids. And so, so many fights actually come because we are insensitive to the talk style of our partner. And so being aware of that is, uh, you know, here's the other thing with the talk styles. You can only knock a man down so many times before he's going to stop communicating and you can only, um, be unempathetic and, you know, not enter into, uh, I can only be cold and cruel and Mr. Fix it so many times with my wife before she's going to stop coming to me and sharing her day with me. Right. And that's the, that's, then you're creating a much larger problem around conflict and arguments and, and the things that really trip up a lot of couples. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the dating process as well, we really want to be intentional with also getting to know people at their core and I love even Mike with what everything you do with your podcast and, and everything you, you really kind of seek out to bring out people's stories and get them to talk about that because we all have a past. So how do we do a better job? Do you think in dating to practice what I know you call compassionate curiosity and really being careful with wanting to see her hear, learn, love and understand someone for all of themselves. Yeah. You know, I think this idea of compassion and curiosity and curiosity in general is, um, so key to having healthy relationships and whether, again, whether that's friendships, uh, relationships with people at work, we we tend to make a lot of judgments about things 
without all the facts. And so this, if we have a mindset of curiosity, where I'm interested, like, why do you believe that? I always say for couples, like the three most important words that we could say to each other are not the words, I love you, but the three most important words we could say is help me understand. Oh, yes. And so if we can get in that position of help me, help me understand something or help me see your perspective, be curious about things. Like, why do you get so angry when we bring up, when I bring up this topic in our relationship? You know, there's something there. There's something below the surface that too often couples get, get stuck and sort of looking at what's on the surface or what's obvious and making it about what's obvious versus saying, maybe there's something deeper going on here. And that's why, you know, we talk about the importance of understanding our stories and where we've come from. And so, you know, again, a lot of our pain comes from either past relationships or from our family or our childhood. And so we're bringing all of that into today's relationship and we're seeing maybe the anger or the frustration or the blow up or the shutting down around a particular topic. And we're like, instead of just judging that, let's get curious about it. You go, I wonder why that's the response. I wonder what's going on behind the scenes on that one. And I, I think a lot, of, a lot of couples don't realize that the fights that they're having or the conflict that they're having isn't necessarily about what's happening today, but something that has happened much long ago in the past, uh, something that uh, a fear, maybe some shame, maybe a trigger that is part of our stories that, you know, a wound that possibly hasn't healed. And so we have to be more compassionate, uh, bring compassionate curiosity to the relationship versus the judgment or just sort of labeling something as, oh, he's got an anger issue. Right. And I think in that, that it's so important to, to know that somebody thinks and feels differently than you do, because something I've dealt with in the past is you can't, instead of saying, well, you shouldn't feel that way, or you shouldn't think that way, you know, that can be a really destructive thing to say to someone because it's completely minimizing their feelings and their emotions. And yeah, maybe that, maybe they are being, you know, a little unreasonable, but instead of just minimizing it, you know, having the compassion in the heart to want to find out, well, why are you feeling that way? Let's help, like the words, help you to understand where that's coming from. So I can better see why, and maybe it will bring up something that they need to work through or some self-realization, but to just say, well, you shouldn't think that way. You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't be acting that way. You know, those it's so dismissive. It it really is. And I think anytime we, um, try to control somebody's emotions or control somebody's responses, that is not a place of love. That's actually a place of, you know, control, fear, us wanting to uh, make something happen that isn't necessarily there. So like really a loving posture in our relationship says, help me understand what's going on there. I see that you're hurting around this or, um, yeah, you may not agree. You may not, uh, understand, you may not, um, like whatever is happening in front of you, but if you want to, if you want a thriving relationship, you got to look you got to ask another question. You got to get curious about what's going on there. And again, it's helped me understand. It's powerful three words that we can use in our relationships over and over again. 
Yeah, I remember my therapist a few years ago gave me those words, even dealing with friendships, actually. And it's powerful whether you're in relationships or friendship, but it can because we sometimes just want to go on the defense instead of deciding to actively pursue understanding and having a heart for why the other person is feeling that way. So I know there's not a, you know, an exact formula for this, but what do you feel like is a good plan or general guideline for revealing your heart and maybe your past to someone else in relationship? Yeah, there isn't really, I wouldn't say there's like a four step sort of thing or anything like that. I wish there was, but I think, I think the the first thing is uh, in terms of whenever we're sharing our past with people, we have to make the decision whether this person is a safe person or not. Mm. I think too often, and especially in our culture, we, we tend to overshare and we tend to um, say too much to people who aren't worthy of sort of the sacredness of our stories. And so you want to make sure that you, the people that you're sharing sort of the most vulnerable things of your life have earned the right to hear those things. Uh, I think we, we kind of mess that up a lot. We forget that it's like, well, I'm just going to tell him everything that I feel or everything that's from my past or everything, all of my wounds, all of my fears. I'm just going to kind of throw up on this person and yeah. you know, they're, they may not be ready for it, but they're also, they may not be um, in a place of honoring what you might say in that moment. And so I think go slow, uh, you know, we are layered people with layered stories with um, all different degrees of, of intimacy and vulnerable things that we could share. And so start with the basics and then slowly pull back the layer as you feel safe with that person. Um, you know, and that's hard because we do live in a society that we just want to vomit on people. We want to just like, here's everything. And it's like, that, that actually is probably not an appropriate way to share, uh, the, the most intimate parts of who we are. So go slow. And then for people that have real trouble, maybe even, um, battling shame with sharing their stories and the deep parts of their stories, what are some, what is some advice you would give for people who to feel empowered with sharing your story and to not be so afraid of sharing their story? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If we, um, again, dating, uh, married, uh, let's assume these are people that we love, uh, and love us. And, uh, there's nothing to be won in terms of holding or hiding some, you know, some holding something back or hiding something in our story. Um, you know, we are all, we're all broken. We're all beautiful. We're all, we all have issues. We all have problems. We all have strengths and gifts. And we were just a mashup, this messy mashup of, of these really interesting stories and interesting uh, beings. And so anytime you feel like there's something that's a part of your story that you have to hold back, that really is shame talking. That really is fear talking in those moments. And so uh, that work may not necessarily be done with the person that we're dating. That may be work that we're doing with a counselor or a therapist. It may be, um, work that we're doing in a 12 step, but eventually if we want to continue to grow in that relationship, that dating relationship, we might get continue to take it to deeper levels. There is a sense of like, you need to know me, you need to know my story and that, 
um, we have to be brave with that story and sharing that with mm-hmm. um, the people that love us and care about us. Yeah. I feel like I heard you say this too. I think it was on a previous episode that you did, but it only takes 20 seconds of courage. Was it something like that? It only takes 20 seconds of courage. Um, Yeah. Sometimes in those situations we can like be so fearful and hold it in for so long. And we're like, our hands are sweating, you know, and it just takes just a little bit of courage. It's so hard. It's so hard to say these things. And what may seem like a simple statement uh, about who we are really is, requires just that insane amount of courage for us just to get those words out. But when we do, and it's really important, whether we're in a dating relationship or not, uh, we have to have relationships where we can be vulnerable like that. We have to be known at that intimate level. And, um, and whether it's, you know, with our fellow girlfriends or guy friends or, or maybe our counselor, like we have to be seen as, in fullness in order to, to grow and be free in our lives. And so don't listen to the voice of shame and, and figure out like, what are those words that are hard to say? What are the things from my story that feel embarrassing or shameful or that I don't want to talk about and maybe begin to um, bring some healing and some work around those areas. So, because those things were, you know, I, I say this all the time that we're either going to transform our pain or we're going to transfer our pain. And, right. and if we're not working on sort of a daily, weekly basis of transforming our pain, then we're just going to transfer it into our relationships. We're going to transfer it into our friendships. We're going to transfer it into our kids and into our families. And so just as being sort of a, an adult, it means, Hey, I got to do my work. Um, it's, it's part of having a healthy relationship with other people is me doing my own work. And sometimes I, it's a lot of times it can be a process too. And I think people shouldn't get discouraged if some things from your past come up again, you know, and you have to kind of reface it. It may not be as big this time, but that can happen. Totally. It's a, it's a, I would say, um, it's a, it's a resurrecting and it's a lifelong process of resurrecting the things that have died or have been blown up in our stories or things, our wounds. It, it is a constant healing process. And we'll be doing that work till the, till the very end. There's no close. I don't believe in closure. I don't believe in sort of like, we're done with that issue. We're done with mm-hmm. that pain point or that trauma. Like it, it is a constant inviting um, grace and love and healing into that place, probably for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Okay. So, so Mike, before we wrap up here, I do want to ask you, what do you think are some just practical and intentional date ideas that you feel will foster deeper connection and intimacy within our relationships? Oh, wow. That's a great question. So the thing that I I would encourage couples to do is figure out what you, what you like to do and, and realize that there are no rules. There's no sort of expectations. Um, again, I think this is probably the downfall of social media and us being so connected is that we feel like what well, we need to do this or that, or we need to be at that event, or we need to be at that hot restaurant. I mean, right. for my wife and I, we, we just have to own the fact that we're introverts. We mm-hmm. like, we actually like to stay home. We like to <laughs> sit awesome. on the patio and, and sit by the fireplace and, you know, just, just have some quiet time. Like we love that. We're not 
We're not extroverts. We're not feeling so like figure out what your, your basic styles are, what are the things that you enjoy and feel no pressure to sort of have it be a certain way. Um, mm. And I think too, it's important to understand what your partner's into also. Yeah. Kind uh, of coming back to that talk styles too, how we talk differently, like no error, the bids for attention, I guess. Yes, totally. So I'll give you an example from our relationship. So my wife, she loves to go to Disneyland. That's her happy place. Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. That's I, I would totally be friends with her. So exactly. <laughs> she is so into it. She has annual passes. They, she loves oh to go. Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> I, I hate it. I, I really like Disneyland is exhausting to me. I don't like oh the crowds, God. you know, it's just, it's not my, not my jam at all, but because she loves it, there's going to be several times this year where I'm going to go to Disneyland with her, but I'm also going to make her, let her know that, um, I'm going to need to break away, uh, for an hour or so, or 30 minutes and just kind of sit on a bench and drink an iced tea and not, stand in a line or be around crying kids and churros, you know, it's like, I, (laughs) so, so supporting, you know, kind of each other's desires around dates and the things that they like to do, but also communicating your needs. Like maybe Disneyland's tough for you. You don't have to pretend that like it's your thing, but and that say, Hey, listen, this is, I'd love to go to Disneyland with you, but can we just make sure that, you know, we leave by five o'clock because if this goes till, 10 or 11 to see the fireworks. I'm going to be, I'm going to be so grumpy. Nobody's going to have any fun, <laughs> yes. you know? So, and that's doable. Yeah. Yes. So communicating your needs, supporting each other's desires in terms of fun and, and creativity, but find your own rhythm. And every couple I believe has their own rhythm, has their own sort of set of things that they really enjoy doing and, and, and lean into that. And something too, I love that. I just love the Disneyland thing. Cause People make fun of how much I'm into Disneyland, Mike. I'm going this week, actually. But (laughs) yeah, but um, something I also encourage sometimes my friends is that um, to have fun because in the beginning of relationship, middle of relationship, it can be so tempting, especially when you are a deep thinker or you want to have serious conversations to just constantly then be stuck in dates that turn into deep conversations every single time. And then you leave feeling heavy and, oh my word, so much to process and pray through, you know, instead of like, okay, we also have to have some fun. (laughs) I I totally agree with that. You cannot, I think there's, there's certain dates and certain conversations that, we need to have each other with each other that are very sort of sober and serious and deep and profound. I think that that is certainly part of a healthy relationship, but man, you got to have some fun too and just enjoyment and laugh and sort of superficial, non-meaningful things that you do together also. Yeah. Creating memories and adventuring kind of. Totally. So like, and, that, and that's the thing. Like I, you want to be in places where you want to take a photo with each other. Yeah, that's true. I love that. Oh my gosh. That's a good point. Um, okay. Mike, today has been phenomenal. Your wisdom, your insight, your time. I'm so thankful. And just before we go, I always ask everyone the same last question. What is one top nugget of dating advice? Just a small nugget that you could give to the listeners. Uh, well, here's what I'd say. Um, you know, the formula for change, the formula for healthy relationships, the, the things that we want to see happen, whether you're married, dating, uh, single, that it's a combination of, of two things, love and time. 
Mm-hmm. And it's always more, you're always going to have to give more love than you thought you'd have to give. And it's always going to take longer than you thought it would take. And so just remembering that, that, you know, we are complicated human beings. We are complex creatures. There's a lot of dynamics, a lot of things that can go wrong. A lot of, a lot of pain that we bring a lot of, um, joy and gifts and, and quirks that are brought into a relationship. So it's not easy, but if you can, uh, bring love and more love than you thought you'd have to give in time, I believe that's the, that's, that's the formula for a really successful relationship. Mm, that's beautiful. Okay, Mike. So where can everyone connect with you if they want to connect with you after this? Yeah, I think, you know, I, obviously podcast is a great, you know, a bunch of podcast listeners right now. So I I, I'd say, Hey, uh, if you're on iTunes, head over to fun therapy uh, mm-hmm. is the name of my podcast and, uh, um, subscribe and, and check it out. Also my website's just mikefoster.tv. And then if you're interested in the, uh, his and her workbooks, uh, around some of the concepts of five dates, that's just, uh, that website is five dates.co not com dot co and we always tell people it's it's only available at our website it's not available anywhere books are sold <laughs> just it's not on amazon it's not yeah. barnes and noble it's just at five dates.co and uh the his and her uh bundle i think is just a great way to make a small investment in some strategic conversations and fun conversations yeah. for you as a couple I love it. I actually just gave my copy to a couple of friend of mine since I'm not right now in a relationship. So they're using it and they're loving it. So it's oh, such a awesome. blessing. Yeah. All right, Mike, thank you so much today for today. I just have loved this conversation and time with you. Thanks so much. It's been my pleasure. Okay, friends, you just have to go check out Mike and his wife, Jen's workbook, Five Dates. It's so helpful and practical. As we talked about it today, it dives through how to be present, how to navigate different talk styles between men and women, how to have gratitude, navigating family of origin, and developing a vision and a dream that is clearly spoken together in relationship. Go to fivedates.co to purchase this incredible workbook. You know, one of my favorite concepts from today was the idea of relational nowness, which basically goes step one, I see you, step two, I hear you, and step three, what you're telling me is important. It sounds so easy, right? But in so many ways, I think we actually miss this concept. I know I do time and time again. And it's vital that we try our very best to truly value what our partner is saying to us. So if you want to connect with Mike, you can find him on Instagram at MikeFoster2000 or visit his website, MikeFoster.tv, and you can keep up with all of the incredible things that he's doing. I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heart of dating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends.